0: do continue to pray for those that were impacted by the tornado uh, this week. We were all shaken, surprised, shocked by the devastation, by the hurt and the heartache. But I want to thank those of you in this room, those of you at home who stepped up and went out, so many helped in so many ways and continue to do so. Uh, early in the week, I reached out to those leading the volunteer efforts to see how we could specifically help and uh, debris cleanup is the number one thing. That still remains the number one thing. And another thing was encouraging and helping folks move forward. So if you have been keeping in in touch with us, keeping up to date on our information, we have been receiving donations to our disaster relief fund, specifically to that fund. And out of that, we're going to provide uh, repair assistance cards from Lowe's and Home Improvement. And we'll be Delivering some of those through the Baptist Association and Baptist On Mission, we'll be doing that uh, this week. But also, you can uh, write an, a note of encouragement to go with those cards. Uh, there's a basket at the back; you could drop them off. And uh, I hope some of you brought those this morning, in keeping with our request. But if not, that's okay. Bring them by during the week. If no one's here, put them in the drop box outside. Uh, you don't know who to address them to, but you know you're addressing personally that is, but you know you're addressing them. To folks impacted by that tornado, just let them know you're praying for them. Include a scripture there, uh, and uh, uh, we'll make sure that note of encouragement gets to someone that, that needs that this week. But keep those folks in your prayers. Today ends our 21 ways, 21 days to pray. And I don't know how many of you, you have been participating with us. So I hope you have. Uh, but next week, we will shift to 21 chapters of the Bible in 21 weeks. So early next week, look for information from me about that, uh, and it'll be on our website on our 21, 2021 Challenges page on the website, you can access information there and sign up for these challenges and these commitments. Um, also, be praying for us. I'm looking ahead, uh, praising God that uh, COVID, is, while it's still real, it's still impacting people. We are seeing less cases in our community and statewide. We are seeing some changes there in a positive direction, and we're believing God for great things ahead, still practicing precautions, still being careful, even as I speak, we, we know of folks that are sick, and we need to be praying for them, uh, but I am making plans going, going forward, uh, and having said that, just be praying for me, praying for our staff and our leadership. Leaders, specifically leaders, will be receiving from me an email next week. Uh, First week of March, if you're a leader, a ministry leader, a committee chairperson or leader at First Baptist Church, I have some questions for you, and I want your input, your perspective on some things as we move forward. So I'll let you know that as leaders. It's not going out to everyone, it's specifically for the leaders, because I need your input and your perspective and value that very much. And also, it will help me as I prepare for the church family chat, Sunday night, March 7, go to our website, register for that. If you're going to participate on Zoom, uh, or go ahead and send in your questions, whether you're going to be online uh, or in person or uh, participating by Zoom. So I hope you'll be here for that one way or the other for the church family chat. And I hoping praying that God will uh, move us forward, and want we'll to talk about that a little bit on March 7th. Uh, in 2012, the magazine Fast Company published an article and they talked about the six personality traits that make up a great organization. That is, six personality traits that when they are blended together, and this it makes the organization the best. And the point being, you don't want the same kind of people in the organization all the time. You don't want to pick the same kind of people. You want to balance the organization. In their case, they're talking about businesses. You want to balance that organization with different types of personalities who feed into one another, and who make that organization, that business, uh, move forward as they complement each other. And and I'll tell you what those six types are. It's interesting. They said every great organization has six personalities. The first one is the dreamer, the one that visions everything, the, the inspires everyone else. The other is the manager. The manager makes the dreams happen. The manager puts the progress in place and the plans in place to make it happen. Then there's the builder. The builder is constantly thinking about what we need to make that happen and actually taking action uh being inventive to make it happen the fourth personality is the workhorse. the workforce is the one who works the workhorse. how you recognize a workforce is they're the person who never says that's not my job that's the workforce that's the person that says just give me something to do and i will get that done and let's make it happen penny pincher is number five you need that person that balances the budget Uh, and also has a a visioning side of the budget, the person who understands what's necessary to pay for now and what needs to be paid for later and those kinds of things. And then number six is the social butterfly, the person who just likes people. And everybody likes to be around that person. That person kind of shapes the personality overall of the organization. They are the one uh, that builds morale, and they're always pleasant. Uh, And always, uh, people like to be around that social butterfly. Those six personalities, the magazine says, go together and make a great organization. The point being, balance among people is necessary. Different personalities are necessary, but they have to work together. That's not a big surprise. God has been telling us that for generations, that the church is made up of different personalities. What we have in common is the call of God and Jesus Christ to bring us together. And for us to work together though we are different people different personalities different economic status different education levels all of those things that are different what we have in common is Christ and what we have in common is the Holy Spirit and what we have in common is that we are the body of Christ and God brings these different personalities together and he teaches us that we are to be uh, in unity not uniformity but unity we, we have individual personalities But we can operate in unity or, as we're going to talk about it this morning, in harmony. In harmony. We return this morning to the message series where we're talking about practices that heal hurting relationships and build healthy relationships in the body of Christ. This is particularly important as we anticipate regathering more and more and getting back to ministry together. Because in this downtime, this suspension, this time of 2020 and early 2021, uh, we've not always been nice to one another on social media. We've not always been working together. and We haven't seen one another as much as we would like to, to have that personal touch. So when we come back together, we want to be sure that our our relationships are healthy and we are ready to serve God together, to, to move forward together as the body of Christ. So we've talked about these practices in relationships, the practice of love and the practice of diligence, the first two we looked at, uh, and how we love one another and how we have zeal and passion for the work of God in Jesus Christ and for the church and how that's contagious. Uh, It's hard to argue with people that you work alongside passionately and and you you have that common cause of Christ. And this morning we're going to look at the practice of harmony. The practice of harmony Unity in the body of Christ. God calls us to practice harmony in the body of Christ, to work together in concert for the greater cause of God in Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to tuck away the notion of harmony for a moment. I just want you to to have this embedded in your mind as we move forward this morning in this message. So we have a very practical application this morning of harmony. Christy and Rick are going to come together and they're going to demonstrate for us harmony in music and disharmony in music. And I want you to have this in mind as we move forward. So see if you can tell the difference between harmony and disharmony. Which one do you want to listen to on Sunday morning? (laughs) Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. Now, the interesting thing about harmony, whether it's in music or in relationships, listen to this, is it has to be intentional. Harmony doesn't happen by accident. It's always intentional. Disharmony can be intentional, but usually disharmony is the outcome of not being intentional to have harmony. Harmony has to be intentional. And we're going to see the Apostle Paul, as God inspired him to talk about relationships and harmony in relationships, we're going to see him make this specific point as we return to Romans chapter 12 this morning. If you have your Bible, go back to Romans chapter 12 with me this morning. And let's consider again the practices that heal hurting relationships and build healthy relationships. As we look at the last of these three practices, the practice of... Of harmony, Romans chapter 12. Now, before we move into the section of Scripture that's our primary concern this morning, I want you to look at one verse with me in Romans chapter 12, and that's verse 3. So go back to Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. If you have your hard copy of your Bible, uh, or you can highlight on your digital device, I want you to pay attention and maybe mark the times that Paul uses the term think in Romans 12 verse 3, the term think. And in every translation of the Bible that I looked at, this verse is translated nearly the same way. In every translation from the King James Bible uh, to the Christian Standard Bible that I'm reading from this morning, this verse is translated almost exactly the same way because of the significance of what Paul is saying about the way we think about one another. Here's what he says, Romans 12, verse 3. Paul says... For by the grace given me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each person. Why does this verse matter? It matters for a few reasons. First, it matters because it launches everything else Paul was going to say in chapter 12 about the church. The next thing he's going to talk about are spiritual gifts and how those gifts give harmony in the church. Then he moves into the passage of Scripture that we have been looking at these weeks, and that's where we have ethical imperatives, practices that produce healthy relationships. And one of those practices is the practice of harmony. But notice what Paul was saying. How you think about yourself produces healthy relationships and harmony with one another, not how you think about the other other person. See, in our minds the way we think about the other person is often the anchor for the relationship. Uh, Whether we, quote, get along with them or not will depend on how they behave and what we think of them. That's not what Paul says. He says, no, if you want healthy relationships, it starts with how you think about the other person. And every individual has that obligation, that imperative to think as God wants us to think about one another in Christ. How do I know every individual? Because that's what he says. I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should, but think sensibly. It's how you think about yourself that impacts your relationships. Now, that's what we're going to unpack this morning as we consider harmony in the church. Still in Romans 12, look with me now at verse 16. Verse 16. Paul says, Verse 16, Romans 12, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Now Paul obviously doesn't mean that literally. He means that you will be demonstrating love when he expected retribution or hate. Verse 21. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. God calls us to practice harmony in the body of Christ for the greater cause of Christ. God calls us to live in harmony and to practice harmony so that we can work together to do what God wants us to do in the body of Christ. Just as in the previous installments, we're going to look at two things this morning, two basic truths. We break this down this morning. We're going to look first at the character of harmony, and then we're going to look at the practice of harmony. So look with me first at the character of harmony. Paul turns his attention to the body of Christ. He says, here's a, here's a, a principle about harmony and a practice that you should do. Live in harmony with one another, he says in verse 16, then in verse 18, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The term translated harmony means think the same way. That brings us back to verse 3. Think the same way. Verse twi- 3 says this is how you should think about yourself. Don't ever think more highly of yourself than you should. That is, don't have an elevated view of yourself. Instead, if you want harmony in the body of Christ, you think the same way. People that live in harmony think the same way. Now notice what he doesn't say. He is not saying be the same person. He's not saying be uniform in the body of Christ, but he's saying when you think about the things of God, when you think about priorities and practices and what matters most, think the same way. When you think about what the Bible teaches, be sure you're thinking the same way. You're thinking as God wants you to to think. To live in harmony is to think the same way. And you'll notice also, second, that this is a command. Just as all of the ethical imperatives in the section we've looked at are commands, this is a command as well. You know what that means? That means you and I have a choice. You have a choice whether or not you live in harmony with your siblings in Christ. You have a choice whether or not you practice peace in your relationships with your siblings in Christ. You choose that. And God commands you and commands me to do exactly that, to live in harmony, and as much as we are able, as much as it depends on us, to practice peace with one another. And this is a command for every believer. And you say, well, Pastor Bob, that's hard to do. Yes, it is. But because you're a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit gives you His help, His strength, His patience, His forgiveness, His kindness. He gives you what you need to practice harmony and to live in harmony with one another. So instead of saying, well, we don't get along, I don't get along with that person. That's the way the world says it. I don't get along with that person, so I'm not going to associate with them. The Bible says, live in harmony with them. Choose to do that. Choose to get along. Choose to think the same way. Choose to work together for the greater, greater cause of Christ. You make that choice. And the Bible commands you and I to do just that, to live in harmony with one another. And that harmony should characterize the general atmosphere of the body of Christ. The family of God at First Baptist Church should be characterized by harmony, Uh, not by conflict, not by controversy, not by disagreement. Those things should not be what characterize us. What characterizes us is should be our harmony. That we work in concert, we think about the greater things of God together, we plan together, we move forward together, we are God's people. Not in uniformity, but in unity at First Baptist Church. So first, the character of harmony is to decide to live in harmony with one another, to think the same way about the things of God. So let's look at the practice of harmony. How do we do that? How do we motivate harmony and peace in the body of Christ? How do we cultivate harmony and peace in the body of Christ? And how can you do that individually? Well, Paul says there are four things that you and I can do to cultivate harmony in the body of Christ. First of all, practice humility. Practice humility. Do not be proud, Paul says. Do not be wise in your own estimation, which is an explanation of what he means by do not be proud. The word translated proud, or the phrase do not be proud, means, again, do not have a a high estimate of yourself. Uh, But very literally, it means do not be haughty-minded about yourself. Don't be so high-minded about yourself. Uh, Don't live in a mental country club where you look down on everyone else. You're so much better than they are. You won't associate with them. You won't work together with them. That's how you sow disharmony and discord. Instead of intentionally living in harmony, instead of intentionally thinking less of yourself or or not so much of yourself, too high an estimate, but thinking as others do, you think too much of yourself. You live in this mental ivory tower and you look down on others and they're not worthy of your attention. That's what he's talking about. So that means we practice humility. Did you know you can actually practice humility? Most of us think of humility as, well, that's a humble person. They're humble by nature, and some people are humble by nature. But you can actually practice humility by intentionally practicing harmony, by intentionally saying, I'll work alongside with him and with her. I'll serve alongside with him and with her. We, we are together in the body of Christ, and we will serve together, and we will practice harmony, and we will produce harmony. Do not be wise in your own estimation. That is to say, don't, don't think you know more than you really do. Come alongside one another in humility. Then Paul expands on that. So the second practice is to practice impartiality. Impartiality. Uh, You'll recall that one of Paul's favorite ways of teaching is to give a negative and then a positive that replaces it. The negative is do not be proud. The positive that replaces it is associate with the humble. In Paul's day, there really was no middle class economically. It was either the affluent and wealthy, or it was the poor and lower class. There were other folks peppered around in there, but that was pretty much what the ancient world looked like. And from the time they were born, people in the upper class were taught two things that they brought with them into the body of Christ, and which God had to cleanse out of them. The first thing they were taught was they were better than everybody else. That those who were of humble station, which is the way the word humility was used more in the ancient world. It was used economically. People were of humble station. They were not worthy of those who were of greater station than them. And everybody looked down on them because of that. And they brought that attitude with them into the church. They also brought with them, therefore, an attitude of not associating with people who are not like them. They were partial toward people who were like them. In our day and time, we still see both things, and we see it in both directions. I know a lot of folks of humble means who refuse to associate with folks of means. I knew a lady once. uh, The ladies' ministry had a Christmas party at a a lady's house who happened to be of means, and she, she loved to throw Christmas parties. This lady refused to go into her house. They were both believers, by the way, in the same body, in the same church. This lady refused to go into her home because she had more than she did. It cuts both ways. Paul's point is prideful people don't associate with people unlike them. An illustration of what it means not to be prideful is to be impartial not to practice partiality, but to be impartial. To say, I work alongside everybody because we are all believers together in the body of Christ. I serve alongside you. I love you in your time of need. It doesn't matter your station economically in life. It only matters that we are believers in Christ and we work alongside one another. We serve alongside one another. In fact, it is the great joy of biblical faith and of Christianity that God's brought all kinds of people together in the body of Christ. That's what the church is. That's the miracle of the church, that we shed the partiality of the world when we come into the body of Christ, and we serve alongside people we might not otherwise even connect with in the world outside. Uh, The world would not have brought us together, but the body of Christ does, and that's the joy and the victory and the good news of the body of Christ, and it demonstrates that the cross of Christ is for everyone. It's for everyone. Pastor Mike gave you a challenge a little earlier in the service uh, to pick out two people, what? You don't know. Pray for them and connect with them. Did you know another way we show partiality in the contemporary church is that we minister to and reach out to the people we already know. And and sometimes when we come on board, uh, a ministry in the church, or even we come up with a great idea for ministry in the church You know what we're doing? We're thinking about the people we already know, the people we already associate with. Those are the ones we think about ministry to. That's a form of partiality, and it demonstrates pride. Pride that doesn't belong in the body of Christ. Paul says, here's how you get that pride out of the way. You intentionally build harmony when you intentionally associate with everybody. With everybody in the church. Show no partiality. So to build harmony, we practice humility, and we practice impartiality. Then third, we practice forgiveness. Because sometimes we do slight one another. Sometimes we offend one another. Sometimes we hurt one another. Sometimes we don't love on each other the way that we should. You might get offended by someone. What do you do with that? Do you internalize it? Do you go on social media and talk about it? And maybe you think it's okay if you, if you don't name names. You're sowing bitterness, not forgiveness. Forgiveness in the body of Christ is another key trait of our relationships. Uh, the, 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 the times the Bible tells us to practice forgiveness it acknowledges that sometimes we might hurt one another. Paul does it this way. Paul says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. You replace the sinner's inclination toward retribution and bitterness, you replace that with forgiveness, intentionally forgiving one another. Why would you do that? You would do that for the greater cause of Christ because every 10 minutes, that believers stay mad at each other, is ten minutes we have lost to reach a dying world and a hopeless world. It's ten minutes we are not serving together. It's ten minutes that we have offended the cross of Jesus Christ. Practice forgiveness. Abraham Lincoln was that rare president, uh, and I figured this was a good illustration of it being President's Day this, this, this week, uh, Abraham Lincoln was one of those presidents, a very rare president, who actually populated his cabinet with people who did not agree with him, some of whom actually despised him prior to him putting them on their cabinet. Who, what president in our time would ever populate his cabinet with people who disagreed with him and do it intentionally? That's exactly what Abraham Lincoln did. He had an enormous capacity for forgiving people. One of the best illustrations of this is that of Edwin Stanton, who eventually became the Secretary of War for Abraham Lincoln. When they were attorneys together as young men, they were on opposite sides of the case. And Stanton was a well-known, polished attorney. And here comes this young, uh, rustic Abraham Lincoln to try this case, and Stanton openly made fun of him. He said he called him ape-like in his demeanor and his practice and his attitudes. So did Lincoln seek retribution? Did he Was he bitter about that? Did he get angry? No. You know what he did? He got better. He took to heart. In fact, he took notes when he watched Stanton in the courtroom. Lincoln took notes on how good Stanton was in presenting his case and in speaking, how he carried himself, even how he dressed. And Lincoln learned from it. He ignored what Stanton said, and he learned from it. And years later, he reached out to Stanton to be his secretary of war. And by the end of Abraham Lincoln's life, Stanton was one of his staunchest supporters and greatest friends. Another friend of Abraham Lincoln uh, once said, Leonard Sweat once said, that Lincoln's capacity and practice of forgiveness was so extraordinary because Lincoln had one basic philosophy about people it was that it didn't matter what they had done in the past, it only mattered what they did in the future. Why don't we practice that in the body of Christ when we are commanded to practice it? God expects us, calls us to forgive one another. How can we possibly live in harmony? How can we practice peace in the body of Christ if we're unwilling to forgive one another? And I want to challenge you with this. If you have a, a broken relationship in the body of Christ, And you think that's going to go away after COVID. You think that's going to go away when you come back together in ministry. It's not. Now is the time to prayerfully reach out to that person. Be proactive, be intentional, build harmony, exercise and practice forgiveness. You say, well, you don't know that person. But here's the thing. The Bible doesn't say, well, you get a pass if that's a bad person. (laughs) Does it? No, the Bible says, what do you think? How, how are, you know? God's going to hold you and I accountable for how we behave. Right? Practice forgiveness. Then, fourth, to build harmony in the body of Christ, to live in harmony with one another, practice trust. Practice trust. Now, do I mean by that trust in one another? No. Listen to what Paul says. Although trust in one another is a good thing look at verse 19, Paul says, Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. Because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. See, the point of the scripture that says that, that Paul quotes, and, and Paul's point is very simply this. When you refuse to forgive, but instead stay bitter, and worse, seek retribution among the beloved in the body of Christ, and even outside the body of Christ, but among the beloved especially, when you do that, you're demonstrating a lack of faith. Uh, You're pretending that you can do what God is supposed to do, that you know all things about that person, that you know their future, and you know how they're going to behave in the future. Uh, You're demonstrating a lack of trust in God when you seek retribution and refuse to forgive. You're also demonstrating a lack of humility and submission to God. And saying, God, it's more about me than it is about you. So the Bible says, practice trust in Christ, in your relationships. Give God that pain and that struggle. Give God that heartache. Give God that other person. As we've already seen in the series, it's it's pretty hard to stay angry and bitter at someone when you pray for them, isn't it? So that person that's on your heart, go to the Lord this afternoon and say, God, I want you to put forgiveness in my heart. You forgave me in Christ when I didn't deserve it. So God, I want you to forgive them through me. I want you to put forgiveness in my heart. I want you to help me practice that forgiveness. And then start praying for that person and for that relationship. And just just stay before the Lord and say, God, this is Maybe they're angry, maybe they're offensive, uh, maybe they've hurt me, they've hurt other people, but it's not my job to get retribution. It's not even my job to prove I'm right. It's my job to trust Christ, to trust God, to take care of this relationship, and it's my job to serve my Savior, the higher cause of Jesus Christ. Do you mind another President's Day illustration? January 31st, 1778, George Washington was embedded at Valley Forge. And we all know that story of the horrendous winter the Continental Army spent at Valley Forge. But because the war was not going well for the Continental Army and for America, George Washington had enemies in and around Congress. Enemies, in fact, that that wrote together an anonymous letter to Congress saying that George Washington should be removed from his command and someone put in that place that could manage the army in a better way. Washington's good friend, Henry Lawrence, sent him a copy of that letter. And Washington, on January 31st, 1778, Washington wrote Lawrence back a short letter from Valley Forge. And the letter really just broke down the three main points. Now, Washington wrote it in much more flowery, 18th century language that I'm going to use today. I'm going to give you the short version. Okay, what, what he said basically started like this. First of all, he said, I've been entrusted with a job, and this is a distraction. I'm not going to answer my enemies. It's just distracting. I've got a job to do. I'm going to stay here and do my job. The second thing he said was, it's not about me. I'm not fighting this war for me. I have no selfish interest whatsoever. And because of that, I want everyone to understand, I am here for my country. And everything I do, I do for my country. That's the trust you have given me, and that hasn't changed. Then listen to the third thing he said. He said, but I'm not perfect. And I will openly admit all of my command decisions have not been perfect. So if my enemies believe there is cause to go to Congress against me, let them do it. They should do it, Washington said. And if Congress calls me back to testify for my actions, I will do so. And then he said, "Otherwise, you know where to find me." Because I've got one job, and it's a much bigger job than answering my enemies, and I will not be distracted. By that. Ah, that's good advice, isn't it? Listen, believer, Our job is to serve Christ together. And we have but a short time to do it before we're in eternity together giving an account of our actions, our attitudes, our behaviors, and our relationships. We have this time now to serve a much greater cause together, the great cause of God in Jesus Christ. Do you really want petty squabbling to distract from that? Isn't forgiveness a much better idea? Isn't harmony a much better idea? I think so. Now let's be realistic. We're not perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We mess up, say things we shouldn't say, forget to say things we should say. All that goes together. So I want to challenge you in this first of all, those here in house, those at home, If you have a fractured relationship in the church family, again, take that person to God, give that person to God, ask God to help you do your part toward forgiveness. You can't control what they do, but you can't control what you do. And ask God to help you do the right thing. Then secondly, going forward. Remember, it's what you do next that matters. And and going forward, let's build harmony in the body of Christ. Let's build healthy relationships in the body of Christ. Let's practice humility and forgiveness and impartiality and trust God with our relationships and let's move forward in Christ to be even stronger and better as the body of Christ than we've been in the past. And you'd be amazed what God can do with that. Now to those in the room and those at home, and maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to tell you, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. It starts out as bad news. But it ends in good news. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It goes like this. You and I and every human being have greatly offended a holy God. We have sinned against him so much so that he could not allow us to have a relationship with him. The Bible's very explicit in that. We tore a rift between us and our creator because of our sin. And we could do nothing about it. Your good works, my good works, the best person you know could never be good enough. To get back into relationship with god so you know what god did this is the good news god loved you so much he came to you he sent his son jesus christ absolutely perfect lived a sinless life who took your sin to the cross for you so that when you were ready when you realized your need when you realized you couldn't save yourself that he would have everything already done and all you needed to do was put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, to forgive you, to give you eternal life and a home in heaven. It's through Christ that you come back into relationship with God because of his forgiveness. The reason believers know how to forgive in the first place and are able to do it is because God has forgiven us first. That's how we know what that's like. So I'm going to pray with us this morning. First of all, I'm going to pray for our relationships. I'm going to pray for harmony in the church. I'm going to pray that believers will practice forgiveness. And then I'm going to pray for those who have never trusted Christ as their Savior to put all your faith and trust in Jesus today. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, this morning we come to you as people who admit, God, we are sinners, fractured, broken, and we hurt other people because of that. But, God, we know that you heal relationships. So, Father, this morning, first, for those of us who are believers in Christ, we pray together, God, that you would bring forgiveness through us to those that we have hurt. And you would help us, God, to rebuild, reconnect those relationships, God, with others in the body of Christ. Remind us, God, there is a higher cause and a higher purpose before us. And, God, please forgive us for thinking it's about us when it's not. It's about you. And what you've called us to do so god i pray for all of us i pray for broken relationships i pray for people whose feelings are hurt right now i pray god for those who need to mend relationships need to write notes asking forgiveness need to release that bitterness to you i pray for all of our relationships in the body of christ god that you would bring healing to us i pray for anyone god that i might have offended father put them on my heart on my mind that i might reach out to them to ask for their forgiveness. And I pray, God, the Holy Spirit would soften our hearts that we would forgive one another, love one another, and move forward for the greater cause of God in Christ Jesus. God, I do thank you for the relationships we have in the church. I thank you, God, for the, the people you brought together that we can be in unity and harmony to serve Christ together. And, Father, I pray for that one who needs Christ as their Savior today. They realize that you are willing, ready, and able to forgive them for what they've done to you, for the offense of sin in their lives against you. So God, right now, I pray with them this prayer that they would pray with me to trust Christ as their Savior and be forgiven of their sins. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I know that I have offended you, a holy God, with my sins. So Jesus, today I ask for your forgiveness. I ask you to come into my heart, into my life. Cleanse me and forgive me of my sins. I repent of that sin. I leave it behind so that I can go forward with you. So Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Give me eternal life and a home in heaven. For those who prayed that prayer, God, I pray right now they would know your presence, your power, and your forgiveness in their lives. God, we praise you and we thank you. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Thank you, God, for the body of Christ. Thank you for the mission we have together. And may we heal and grow together in Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.